When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, February 27th. It's a two-mini break podcast Tuesday for all of you listeners. Make sure you go hear our first conversation of the day as I was joined by the always fantastic David Gertler to break down every headline that has emerged from the ATP South American clay court swing. We talked Sebi Baez. We talked Francisco Sarundalo. We talked Marazan, Fonseca, Diaz Acosta, and so much more. It's a fantastic episode that I'm certain all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, you can find it on your mini break podcast feed wherever you listen to your podcasts. On this edition of the show, I want to talk about the early results we've seen unfold at this week's tour level events. Your reminder, we've got five of them to follow, three of them, 500 level events, of course, two for the men in Acapulco and Dubai, one for the women in San Diego, our undercard events, a couple of 250s for the women in Austin, for the men in Santiago. We also, of course, believe have four ATP challengers on the schedule this week. I'll look at those draws here on today's show. It's been rather uneventful, really Acapulco delivering our only headline results. Fritz getting knocked out by Matteo Arenaldi, Tommy Paul knocked out by Jack Draper. You had Francisco Caboli knock out Felix Ogier. Aliasim. Want to spend some time talking about what's unfolded already in Acapulco because that's where the headlines have emerged from. Everywhere else, dare I say, par for the course. We really haven't seen much from San Diego so far. What we have seen in Dubai, fairly straightforward. Medvedev tested, a bunch of seeds tested, but only one knocked out in round number one of the event. Again, Austin, Santiago, still early action there as well. So just want to keep you up to date on everything that's unfolded. We'll have another two mini break podcast day for all of you listeners tomorrow as I will be joined by the great Jeff Sackman, founder, operator of Tennis Abstract to discuss some of our takeaways from the first two months of this 2024 season. Also on the docket tomorrow, not only fantastic Great Shot podcast episodes breaking down everything in the Division One college tennis world, but we've got another broadcast on ESPN Plus for all of you tennis fans to enjoy. Number 14, Baylor hosts the number one Ohio State men. That match, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Two of the best teams, two of the best programs we have in Division I men's college tennis. Again, another fantastic opportunity for any of you listeners who may not otherwise be inclined to check out the collegiate level of the sport. 
It's our team broadcasting this Division One Top 15 showdown. Again, number 14 Baylor hosting number one Ohio State. You want to hear more about the match, more about Baylor, you can hear from Baylor men's tennis head coach Michael Woodson on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Of course, Ohio State just captured the national indoor title in New York. So we know how good the number one Buckeyes can be. That's a fantastic battle. We'll cover it first ball to last on ESPN+. Plus. Our broadcast begins Wednesday, February 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Again, if you want to hear more about Baylor, go check out my conversation with Michael Woodson available now on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. Again, those are the plugs. Those are my thoughts. Let's get into today's show. A thank you to all of you listeners for tuning in day in, day out. A thank you, of course, to our friends at Tennis Point as well. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Acapulco is the place to start. Most notable of the results we saw. Hmm. There are a lot of good matches in Acapulco. This certainly delivered of all of our early action thus far. And again, it's Tuesday. I'm recording this around 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. We got a lot of tennis ahead of us this week. But pick your match out of the slew of results we saw unfold. All of them taught us a little bit of something. I'm going to stick with a guy who I have talked about very frequently, a lefty with all sorts of upside who we've covered from the start here at Cracked Rackets. No, it's not Ben Shelton. It's the Brit, Jack Draper, who it's just worth noting right now, one of seven players to rank top 15 in both hold and break percentage. That list of guys, Sinner, Djokovic, Alcaraz, Fritz, Rublev, Rude, and Jack Draper, who earned a 6-love, six 6-4 six victory over Tommy Paul, his second victory over Paul this season, third in four matchups in their careers. Look, I know he lost last week in three sets to Tenassi Kokonakis. It's another one of those matches where surface level, yeah, that sounds like a disappointing loss, and I suppose to some extent it was. Go watch the level in that match. Go watch the first set where Jack Draper was just everywhere, moving so well, electric and beating Kokonakis to the spot, finding the Kokonakis backhand wing, getting him stretched on that wing, whether it's the slice serve wide, whether it's the first forehand, the backhand line. And then Kokonakis just found another level, as he did for a lot of last week's event. His serve, his forehand were just so overwhelming. But look, it's when, not if, the 22-year-old Draper cracks the top 20 of these ATP rankings. I think the level's already there. Certainly the advanced metrics seem to indicate as much. I mentioned one of seven players, top 20, uh, top 15 in both hold and break percentage. Right now he's 21 in overall ELO rating. You want to go just 2024 specific results. Draper right now sitting at 48, but I think that 21 number is more indicative of the level we see from him. And I mean, again, yesterday against Tom, he saved the three break points that he faced. He was dominant behind his serve and he made only 57% of his first serves and yet just the pace with which he was able to play through the Tommy Paul forehand which is still susceptible to elite pace which Jack Draper certainly provide the way he was able to drive through the backhand wing both ways to keep Tommy honest the way again he was able to I mean what he broke Tommy four times in what I'm doing math in my head I apologize four times in eight service games 50% 50% break percentage. That's You don't see that very often on the men's side of things. It's a tough loss for Tommy, particularly given how well he had played during that Dallas-Delray two-week stretch. But this tells me more about Jack Draper. And again, you look for Draper, his results this year. Finals Adelaide, loses second round to Tommy, but 
then it was the second time they'd played in as many weeks. So I don't, no shame in that loss. Tough loss to Tanasi Kokonakis to start this North American swing, but then he beats J- uh, Tommy again in Acapulco. And I think he is a top 25 player. He's just so solid across both wings, moves so well. I know, again, he's had some injury issues. Certainly, stamina seems to be more of a question to me than first step or strength. But that's something that comes with age, something that comes with experience. And again, Jack Draper was not healthy to start last season. You look at the points he has to defend coming up. Round of 16 Indian Wells, those are significant points. After that, nothing until the start really of the U.S. Open where he made round of 16. Like a Leon quarterfinal, no. A challenger quarterfinal, no. Free points for Jack Draper to pick up. So when he's top 25 come the start of Wimbledon, certainly seated at that event, as I expect he will be, it should surprise no one just given how little he has to defend. But it also should surprise no one just given how high his base level is. Because again, you think stay away from his forehand, which behind his serve is the clear plus one weapon of choice. And yet you're not going to break down his backhand wing. It's actually the forehand he'll leave short or spray a little bit wide when attacked with proper pace. And you just have to keep him honest. You have to keep him on the back foot. It's a really hard thing to do. I think it's when, not if, he becomes a top 25 player. I do think there's a world where he enters that conversation, surpasses even the Sheltons of the world, the Musettis of the world, that second tier of quarters of the world maybe is slid down there. I'd still put Corda in the tier one, but I think Draper enters that tier of really promising prospects, probably right there with Sebi Corda um, in that tier one and a half, where you can't put him with Alcaraz, you can't put him with Sinner, you probably can't put him with Runa yet either. I think they're on that next tier where it's just like they Jack Draper's going to be really good for a really long time. And again, with how few points he has to defend, watch for the rise to happen this summer if he can stay healthy. Really good win over Tommy Paul uh, for Draper to set up a very winnable match against lucky loser Yoshihito Nishioka, who gets a much needed win. Nishioka three sets over Nuno Borges, the 28-year-old in jeopardy of falling outside the top 100, was 82 to start the week, now 72 uh, following his win. Uh, and again, ever so often you get the lucky loser spot, you make the most of it. Again, where to go next? Draper's where I started. The other upset, I mean, you got to talk Matteo Arinaldi. First hardcore top 10 victory. He knocks off Taylor Fritz, 6-4, Obviously, Fritz was coming off of that Dalry Beach title run. But again, to me, this is indicative of 23-year-old Matteo Arinaldi's upside and even his base level right now moving forward. You look for him uh, so far over his last 52 weeks of play, 26 and 20 overall in tour level matches. You look for him in terms of record against top 50 opponents now, 9 and 12 overall, like pretty good for a kid who's still getting what, who in his career was 0 and 2 before the start of this last year on tour uh, against top 50 opponents. He's racked up wins now over Fritz, over Lechechka, over Nori, over Popperin, over Kasparud in Madrid. He's just a tough freaking out, man. Moves well, drives the backhand well. Doesn't have the weapons of Jack Draper does, so I wouldn't put him in that tier of prospect. But the level below that, like, I think Arnaldi, because his technique is a little bit cleaner, I do think he's almost a demon hour level type of athlete. I don't know if he's quite as explosive, but he's flirting with the conversation, like fluidity, 
first step ability to surprise you and spring you a ball by you. I don't think his weapons are the biggest. And when he does try to manufacture that extra pace, sometimes that's when the errors start to leak in. You know, you look for him against Fritz. He was still broken three times in that match. I mean, it was really hard for Taylor to hit through Arnaldi. And, you know, again, that's a little bit surprising because it's usually pretty easy for Taylor to hit through anyone. I think it speaks to Arnaldi's level more than it did to Fritz, who didn't play his best. And you look for Taylor in the match. He made 60% of his first serves. The big numbers, he faced 15 break points throughout the course of this three-set match. Kind of let that first set get away from him before bouncing back strong early in the second Again, for me, it tells me more about Arnaldi. And right now, there are five Italians, 23 and under. Sinner, Musetti, Arnaldi, Cabali, Darderi, all top 100, all 23 and under. It's a testament to the Italian Federation who have, you know, those Parma events or back-to-back-to-back-to-back challenger events creating opportunities for these players to rise up the rankings. They've all made the most of them. Again, Matteo Arnaldi is the real deal. I don't know if he's great at anything. He is good at everything. Um, three set win, first top 10 win uh, on hard courts comes over Taylor Fritz as he advances to round number two in a date with the other really talented young lefty, Ben Shelton, who gets not a must have win, but certainly a, a good win for him coming off of that semifinal in Dallas to knock off Evans in three sets. Evans was just lights out to start set number one, found a couple of exceptional passing shots to get an early break and never looked back. And look, when Evans is moving well, he is a shot maker. When he's serving well, when he can be on his front foot, his ability to neutralize your pace with his backhand slice and then his springiness, his sneaky ability to snap one by you, you got to be disciplined. You got to stay patient. That's precisely what 21-year-old Ben Shelton was. And, you know, again, big picture for Shelton I I remind you all, last season between the Australian Open and really the start of his run to the U.S. Open semifinals, he made a semifinal at the Cagliari Challenger. Other than that, he never won more than one match at any event between last year's Australian Open and the start of last year's U.S. Open. There's not a ton for Ben Shelton to defend. And so for him this season, to already go semifinals Auckland, semifinals Dallas. Now he wins another match here in Acapulco, even only the third round in Australia. He's got a lot of room for growth in his resume and legitimately could make a top 15, top 12 sort of push. Now, I think his level is going to have to rise a little bit for me to say top eight, top eight or top 10. But the pathway is there for him in terms of points he has to defend over the next six months and points he already has stacked up on his resume, U.S. Open semifinal, the Tokyo title run, quarterfinals at the Shanghai Masters as well. There's just a lot of room for growth for Ben. And so every win is that valuable. Uh, again, he didn't serve outstandingly, served well, picks his spots well, was disciplined, was patient, wasn't rushing, as you can't against Dan Evans, because that's when he makes you pay. Good three-set win for Shelton. Very winnable match now against Arnaldi. Two advanced to a quarterfinal and a 500-level quarterfinal. Again, Ben doesn't have a lot of those, if any. I'm trying to think. I don't think Tokyo's a 500. It might be, but, you know, again, U.S. Open semifinals, Australian Open quarters, obviously, title run. It just not a ton of tour-level quarterfinals on Ben's resume. An opportunity certainly to get one against Arnaldi, where according to Tennis Abstract, he is a 64.7% favorite. But Arnaldi, I mean, if Ben's serving well, no one can take away the first serve. 
Arnaldi's backhand is up for the lefty test. That's what I'll say. So I think that match goes three. I think that's a fascinating battle. You know, the other winners on the day, uh, Demon Hour. Oh, my God, was he good. Two and one over Taro Daniel. He is a top eight hardcore player in the world. Kaboli, three sets over FAA. He could just do more things. And I've said this for a while now about the young Italian. He's some sort of athlete. All these guys, this young, this next generation, they move so well, so early in their career. And again, I don't know what the Kaboli weapon is. He's springy, man. He's just a top, tough out. That is a top 50 player, the top qualifier Kaboli with the result. Uh, now up to a new career high. 61 is the 21-year-old. Listen to the December pod. I said I'll take his upside over Luca Nardi right now. Damian Kust, I seem correct. Other winners on the day, Ofner, three sets over Escobedo. That was a really fun match. And Mimir Kasmenovic grinds down Diego Schwartzman, three set uh, victory for the Kesman. Kasmenovic, top 50 watch. He's currently sitting at 49 in the ranking. Schwartzman uh, right now dropped all the way to 115 in the rankings. That is a weird number to see next to the 31-year-old Argentinian. That said, it's going to be a fun Tuesday night of action in Acapulco. My favorite match, of course, Sefulin versus Tsitsipas. It's a must-have run coming up for Stefano Tsitsipas. I went through this yesterday, so I'm not going to do it again. He needs signature victories. Romo is one of the guys right now. He's one of uh, 12 guys to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage amongst top 50 players. One of just 14 guys to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage amongst top 50 players, uh, top 100 players, excuse me. He takes the ball early, takes the ball on the rise. He's going to pressure the Pass backhand. Pass's weapons will hit him off the spot. Again, how we inform is Stefanos. We'll find out. That's the must-watch match, I would say, of the day. But Kovacevic versus Thompson, two guys playing really well. How much juice does Thompson have left in the tank? Can Hogaruna get things going? He'll get tested. The ball machine, that is. Michael Moe on the other side. And then the contrast of styles. Chris Eubanks, Kasper Rude. That's a fun one to keep our eyes on, certainly, uh, as we watch Tuesday night's action unfold in Acapulco. Again, that's your most significant, I would say, event of that's uh, early result at any event we've seen thus far to run you through, I suppose, everything else. Excuse me. Let's start in Dubai. Second round is set. So we know our 16 round of 16 participants. Only one seed knocked off. It was yesterday. Vendison Schkulp, 6-5 and five over Manorino. Most notable day two result I mean, probably Daniil Medvedev, 3-5 and five over Alexander Shevchenko. You know, that second set got a little dicey. And I said this yesterday in previewing that match. Shevchenko's just a competitor. Shevchenko does not play aesthetically traditional nor aesthetically standout tennis. And yet, he's just going to find that extra half foot of space on a sideline. He's going to track down that extra ball, beat you to the spot, even though that ball is played so close seemingly to his body. Sneaky good pace in everything he does as well. But Medvedev's going to Medvedev. He's the defending champion at this event. He's never won a title twice in his career that he talked about that immediately after winning his first match tells me it's on his mind. I think he is the prohibitive favorite to win this event. Um, Tennis Abstract agrees with me at 41.1%. Not a hot take, by the way. He was the Australian Open, U.S. Open finalist at these last two majors on hard court. He looked good. He looked the part. Didn't serve his best, but it was match number one after a month layoff. I thought, again, that's your most notable result of the day. Everything else, I mean, again, Jakob Menchik needs a Menchin. Menchik, 4-6-6-3-7-6, knocks off Borna George. This 18-year-old is just 
very, very good. Like I said this yesterday, so I don't want to repeat myself, but the 18-year-old now up to 80 in the world. It's one of the 50 best players in the world as now, right now. It's something I'm going to talk about with Jeff Sackman more tomorrow, but you look for Jakob Menchik right now in the Tennis Abstract ELO ratings. Overall ELO rating, Menchik's at 24. You want to talk 2024 specific ELO rating. Menchik right now currently sitting at 12. That's a noisy ELO rating. We're going to get into him more tomorrow. That's why I'm saving it more for then, but how well he moves, the pace with which he hits, the uh, the consistency with which he moves forward. You know, again, George's forehand, George had a match point, Menchik, huge return on the rise forehand that pressures George and then unloads on a forehand cross winner. Nothing George could do on that. Menchik was just too good. Again, 18-year-old fights off match points after making his first final last week. Could have easily rolled over, said this was a heck of a fight. It's been a heck of a run. I'm okay. He doesn't. Speaks to the special competitor that he is. That was for sure your most notable result of the day. 7-6 in the third. Fights off match point. Knocks off Chorich, who I thought it was actually playing very well. And so it speaks to, again, Menchik's level. The pressure he was able to put on him. Rapid fire through the rest. Sinego, much needed three-set win over Nagal. Hachinov continues his role. That's what, six wins in a row. Straight sets over Van Asha. Uh, Umber, three sets over Gael Mofi. Uh, excuse me. Ugo's played top 25 tennis consistently for six months now. We haven't talked enough about it. A shout-out to Ugo Umber again. Three-set win. The lefty just knows what he wants to do. Tough out physically as well, even if you don't paint him as a traditional grinding Type Davidovich Fokina three set win over Marjan was one of those days. Arthur Cazot keeps rolling straight sets over Musetti. I said that was a litmus test. Is the Frenchman a top 50 player? Certainly looks like the answer to that question is yes. Your other winners on the day Lachetchka and three over Fucevic. Chris O'Connell straight set win over qualifier Maximilian Martyrer. Favorite of the round of 16 matchups? I'm glad you asked. It's for sure Menchik versus Davidovich Fokina. What Davidovich Fokina shows up? How much gas does Menchik have left in the tank? His weapons will give anyone trouble. If Davidovich Fokina is inconsistent, Menchik will make him pay. Ugo and Barry Andy Murray is destined for two and a half hours. It's just the script for both of them. Who's on the winning side, I suppose we'll find out. Kazo versus Rublev, that's a must watch. I think it's a must win for Sebi Korda over Bautik van de Senschkulp. Get to the quarterfinals of this 500-level event, Sebi. Get yourself a roll of the dice against an Andre Rublev, or if he gets knocked out, the in-form qualifier, Arthur Kazo, and then you've got a massive opportunity at a semifinal Again, like I just, Medvedev's the only tier one guy in this event. He's the prohibitive favorite. The 41.1% win percentage, according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast, makes sense next to his name. I didn't mention this name. Keep an eye on third seeded Hubi Hercot. Just a lot of things are going his way. He's been a top eight player since the end of the U.S. Open, probably last season, or maybe even since the start of Wimbledon last year. Point is, he's starting to get consistent week in, week out. Escapes round number one against Struff, 7-6 in the third. If he can get through O'Connell, faces a wounded Murray or Umber in the quarters. Now he gets the shot at Medvedev. He has the sort of game we've obviously, we saw it in the at the Australian Open, give Medvedev difficulties. Do, Dubai will be fun as this week progresses. Again, calm thus far, but... You know what that means? It means top seeds are still alive. It means we could have a very fun week ahead uh, in the pro tennis world. On the women's side, really nothing to talk about San Diego-wise. Like, I mean, again, like 
Townsend, three-set win over Contreras, Gomez. That was really impressive. Arango, two and three over Alicia Parks. Disappointing. Kalinina, straight sets over Balik. Disappointing because I have high expectations for the young Czech player, but not unexpected at all. Wang Yafan continues her good form. Straight set win over Bronzetti. Excuse me. I don't know how surprising that is. Osorio, straight sets over Cornet. Okay. Like, again, oh, excuse me, I said San Diego. That's Austin for you all. I like. I don't know if we've had the juice yet uh, from that WTA event in Austin. You know, again, round two, shaping up certainly to be fun. Yuan Yuo versus Taylor Townsend, in on that. Wang Yafan versus Arango, in on that. Even Kalinina, of course, versus Sorio, round two, in on that. Still have some round one matches to get through. Katie Valley, that's another winner. She knocked out Zara Zua. Uh, certainly Peyton Stearns, Danielle Collins. We'll keep our eyes on those two as they have yet to complete this ma- their matches as of this recording. In San Diego, again, Top four seeds all get a bye, so none of them yet to play their matches. Those top four seeds, your reminder, Pagula, Haddad Maya, Navarro, and Pavlachenkova. Now, three of their opponents are set. Pagula is going to take on the big-hitting German, Julian Niemeyer. It will be fun to see how the German disrupts the rhythm of, again, a Pagula looking for precisely that. Pavs is going to get tested. She's going to take on the big-hitting righty, Wang Shinyu. Shinyu, a three-set win over big-hitting Clara Tossin. Pavs has played top 20 tennis since returning uh, to the tour. So she's the favorite in that one, but it'll still be fun. And then shout out Katie Bolter. Another big win for her, this time over Lucia Taranko to set up a date with Haddad Maya. Bolter's cracked the top 50. She's played top 50 tennis unequivocally to start this year. Number 44, new career high in the live rankings for her. Other good matches, three-set win for Kostyuk over Ann Lee, a three-set win for Yastremska as well over Caroline Dalahide. But, you know, Fernandez-Maria still to play. Vekic versus the junior 2023 Junior U.S. Open Girls Singles Champion Catherine Hui still to come. A lot of good ones on the board as we get ready for San Diego, really, to get into the meat of its schedule. And then, last but certainly not least, Santiago Challengers update for you. We talked storylines in Santiago on our earlier show today, but... In terms of results thus far, Juan Manuel Sarundula, the lefty, former ATP title winner, gets a much-needed big win, knocks off fifth-seeded Yana Kaufman in three. Eighth-seeded Munar, a straight-set winner. Sabeth Vild continues his strong form. He gets another main draw win. Sabeth Vild now currently sitting at a new career-high 65 in the live rankings. 23-year-old has firepower. That is a dangerous opponent I would not want to see on the other side of the draw. And then I mentioned it, in every season since 2015, Albert Ramos-Vinolas has made a quarterfinal in the month of February during the South American clay court streak uh, swing. That streak is in jeopardy, but he does set up the match for all the marbles, gets through to the round of 16, beats Hugo Delian 3-2, and two, sets up a date with eighth-seeded Haumi Munar, whom at the very least, he is 5-1 and one against. That's really the big action from Santiago thus far, according to Tennis Abstract. Unsurprisingly, Baez, the favorite, 27.7%, then Nicolas Yari, 23.6%, Facundo Diaz-Acosta, 13.4%, then a big drop till anyone else. Last but not least, let's talk ATP challengers on the schedule this week. We do indeed have four of them. In New Delhi, I'm keeping my eye on Val Vashro. He's lost just one match, I think now 19-1 overall to start his season. 7-6 in the third. He knocks off Jonas Foriatek, uh, the former 
Texas A&M All-American currently sitting 34th in the points race. That's hilarious to me, uh, but also at a new career high of number 144 is the 25-year-old. He will face Coleman Wong, the rising teenager from Hong Kong, uh, in the round of 16. Favorite right now, according to the Tennis Abstract, is Vashro, 31.3%. After that, Benjamin Bonzi, 18.5%. Adam Walton, the former Tennessee All-American who Vashro beat in the final last week. He is the number two seed this week, 19.9% favorite as he got through round number one as well. Uh, in Kigali, favorite right now, Camille Majcik, coming back from injury, I believe, is the Polish player, 56.6% favorite. After that, bottom half of the draw, fourth seeded Marco Trungalidi at 18. 6%. Fun matchup for me in the round of 16. Former USC All-American Daniel Kukerman taking on Stefan Kozlov. Again, you've got Kigali. You've got the Lille challenger Arthur Rinderkanesh taking on the rising young Swiss player Le- Leandro Rady. That's a round one matchup yet to be completed. Alex Block taking on Benoit Pair. I'll be locked in on that one uh, as the talented young Belgian has come to everyone's attention. Otto Vertanen coming off of a challenger title last week taking on lucky loser Oscar Ota. According to the Tennis Abstract Singles favor, uh, forecast, the favorite right now is Rady at 4.5%, even though he's got Rinder Kanesh round one. After that, it's Pierre Uzer Bear at 13.8%, Otto Vertanen 10.8%. They're essentially saying, though, this challenger is anyone's ball game, and I would agree. And last but not least, in Tenerife, still waiting on the action to get underway. The favorite is eighth-seeded Ilya Avashka, 25.3%. Then last week's champ, Matteo Gigante, 19.3%. Jambor Piros, your top seed, he's 17.5% in the three slot, according to the tennis abstract singles forecast that's everything so far that's unfolded in our tour level action everything but itf i suppose happening this week of course sunshine swing on the horizon we got a lot to catch you up on so that you feel prepared as a tennis fan thus tomorrow again another two mini break podcast day for all of you listeners we'll break down everything that happens in this week's tour level events and then of course tennis abstracts jeff sackman will be joining me to talk about some of our other takeaways from the first two months of the season. Of course, the reason we're able to have all this content for all of you listeners is because of the tireless efforts of our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who, as always, has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out to him. A shout out as well to the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. And of course, a thank you as always to you listeners who continue to tune in day in, day out. A friendly reminder, make sure you check out the Great Shot podcast feed. Make sure you check out the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well, where we've got other content available. And on Wednesday, February 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus, number 14 Baylor taking on the number one Ohio State men. Again, 7 p.m. Eastern time Wednesday on ESPN Plus. If you can, make sure you tune in. We want to run on those numbers so that the powers that be continue investing in our beloved sport. With all that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.